most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and I'm joined by not only one of the top rankers in the game in Sean Kerner, but also one of the top wide receiver evaluators in the game, Matt Harmon, football writer and analyst from Yahoo Sports, creator of Reception Perception. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Man, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It's... um. I was just working up the wide receiver position preview for, for Yahoo that just like was the thing I was working on right before we started the show. And um, man, this position, I, you know, you say it every year, there's such a good amount of depth. There's such a good amount of quality. Um, I mean, you can get into like the, the wide receiver 40 range and still feel like I can see a scenario where this guy, you know, gets a hundred plus targets, you get into the sixties and like, you know, there's some guys who, could potentially still be breakout players, even if the, the odds are slimmer. And really overall, it's like this year, um, you know, guys remember when you used to say, Oh, like wide receivers changing teams. Like you got to be careful about that. It's like, shoot, if you employ that strategy this year, you're wiping off like half the damn draft board. So uh, it feels like more than ever. It's a fun year to talk wide receivers. So I appreciate you having me. Yeah. We're going to get into specifically the wide receiver two tier on today's episode. So uh, should be a good one. And uh, just want to shout out our contest winner for this week. Hurts to the moon. Hurts to the moon. Uh, congratulations. You got a free year of Action Pro. Hit up a podcast at actionnetwork.com to claim your free year of Action Pro. If you guys out there listening, uh, enjoy the pod. Be sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll choose our favorite five star each week and give you a free year of Action Pro. So be sure to get on that, Matt, I want to start off before we jump into each of these players, uh, just to kind of uh, have you explain to everyone listening who may not be familiar, uh, what is reception perception and how has it aided you in your evaluation of wide receivers? Yeah, of course. And I think it starts with something that we all know with wide receivers, especially when talking about for fantasy and wide receiver production. Um, wide receiver production is so inherently dependent on outside variables. You know, obviously we think about the relationship between the quarterback and the wide receiver, but so much goes into it more than that, uh, specifically now, like how guys can, um, you know, be schemed open by different play callers. Like if they're, you know, put in these new positions, it might be better than these guys who, you know, I think about a guy like Cooper cup and it sounds like a hot take to say this, um, because he just led the NFL and catches yards and touchdowns, you know, the triple crown. But like, I think if he came in the league 10 years ago, some dumb coach might have looked at him and been like, oh, he's like a big wide receiver. Like, let's throw him out there as our X. And, you know, this is like not similar to what he does at all in this Sean McVay offense. So I think it's more important now than ever to try to isolate wide receiver play from those outside variables. And that's what reception perception does. I go in over an eight game sample for NFL players and college prospects and chart every single route that they run during that game, how often they get open versus man zone press coverage, how often they run each route type. Um, and then the alignment data too. you know, how often are these guys lining up as that X receiver? How often are guys lining up as a flanker is being deployed off the line in motion, stuff like that. So 
really, again, to try to isolate wide receiver play as much as possible from those outside variables and really try to understand everything you possibly can about a receiver in isolation so that we can better understand them as players and therefore hopefully better project them going forward. Yeah, and I, I encourage everybody out there listening to go check it out. Um, you know, I subscribe and it, it's really kind of illuminating. You know, I'm always surprised by, you know, looking at the percentiles that, you know, you have each guy getting open versus uh, man zone and press. And, you know, some of them are kind of surprising. Um, and I, I'll start with Michael Pittman Jr. He's the wide receiver 13. So he's that that top wide receiver in the wide receiver two tier. And I, I think for maybe more casual drafters his average draft position may come as somewhat of a surprise i mean uh but you know matt you've kind of charted him and uh you saw a good thing so why do you why do we like him so much yeah i love michael Pittman. um it does seem aggressive even at wide receiver 13 i have him as a top 10 receiver like fringe top 10 receiver in my rankings although he's in the same tier as some of these other guys we're going to talk about. So it doesn't really make a big difference there. But I do think that really high ceiling is within his range of outcomes because he's so good. Um, RP was really high on Michael Pittman going into last year. He cleared that 70% success rate versus man coverage barometer that I typically want to see from these outside perimeter receivers like Michael Pittman in his rookie season. But then, yeah, you mentioned it last year, just absolutely blew it out of the water. Um, In his RP profile, I, I compared him to a guy it's sort of a cross between Keenan Allen and uh, Allen Robinson type. I mean, I think the Allen Robinson comp makes sense just because big outside receiver, but people think of Michael Pittman as just a jump ball guy because he's played with freaking Carson Wentz last year. And that's kind of all Wentz does is rifle that thing downfield into contested situations. But when you look at uh, Michael Pittman's success rate on like slants, on digs, on curl routes, those just short to intermediate patterns, super high. Some of the best success rates on those routes that I charted last year. And that is very Keenan Allen-esque, you know, just thumping defenders over and over again against zone coverage. And, and even as a man beater outside, I mean, 96 percentile last year, success rate versus press coverage. I think he carries all the traits, all the talent, ability of a true number one receiver. And this is a guy that just got, a, in my opinion, a quarterback upgrade, obviously in Matt Ryan. And he should just dominate targets in this passing tree because uh, there's a lot of guys behind him that are either question marks or unproven. So I just think everything looks like it's lining up for Michael Pittman. Like he already broke out last year, but I think he's set to take yet another step this season. Yeah, this is a guy who, I mean, given the way he can get open, you have Matt Ryan, who you actually, you know, I think unlike Carson Wentz, you might be uh, kind of unafraid to, to give some more passing volume to. I mean, he has like an outside shot at leading the league in targets. I mean, he really doesn't have much so. competition. Um, Sean, you know, what are your thoughts on? On Pittman, do you have him up there at 13 in line with ADP as well? Yeah, I actually have him a little bit higher. He's, you know, between wide receiver 11 and 12. (laughs) It's very close between those two guys. But yeah, he's definitely, you know, potentially uh, lead the league in targets because, um, you know, the the volume of this passing attack could go up this year. Uh, They led the league last year in time of possession with the lead. Um, And, you know, I expect that to regress a bit this year. So they could be playing, you know, from behind or neutral. Game states a little bit more this year. And even Frank Reich just mentioned that, you know, ground and pound teams don't win championships. So there you go. He probably trusts Matt Ryan a little bit more to throw it around. So all signs point to Pittman just having a massive, massive season. Um, There's still a ton of uncertainty behind him. We don't really know who's going to be the number two or number three wide receiver. You know, the tight end room is going to be a two to three way committee. So um, he should dominate targets. He's entering year three. At 24 years old, that's when players are just entering their prime. So all signs point to a breakout season. He reminds me of 
T. Higgins, where his he's definitely mm. worth taking at ADP, but he just doesn't offer that much value at ADP. But either way, he's part of my draft plan for sure. Yeah, I love me some Michael Pittman. He's just a good football player. I was a year early on him. Like I liked him as a rookie. <laughs> You're two I was, years. I, yeah. 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 I was like, I was like bragging about like I was like, yo, he's yeah. even a great special teamer. Like I was like watching his special teams highlights at USD. Like, dude is just he can just ball. Yeah. So I was I was happy to see how well he was he was doing in, in, in RP. Um, wide receiver 14 is Jalen Waddle. And Matt, uh, this one is kind of tough for me because I, I love Jalen Waddle. I always, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of aware of the, the year two leaps that these that these good wide receivers who play well in year one tend to take. But at the same time, uh, I also know that a guy who can command, you know, 25% targets per route in, in Tyreek Hill is kind of joining this team. So how do we kind of reconcile, you know, the, the talent, the potential for the year to leap with, you know, things like the low average depth of target uh, and the potential dip in targets, uh, you know, and, and kind of get to where we should have Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I struggle with Jalen Waddle too. I'm pretty much on the same page with you there and that I really like the player. He was actually number one in success rate versus man coverage among the prospects charted from that 2021 draft. We really liked him coming in. I think he didn't play at 100% all of last year, um, but still, like from a route success rate standpoint, you did see the ability to win on deep patterns too, which I think there can be more than the low A dot role for Jalen Waddle. Um, but he's still playing with the same quarterback. And I, I think A dot is, uh, can, can largely be a quarterback stat at times. And mm-hmm. I think that specifically with a player like Jalen Waddle, like if he was playing with, um, you know, Josh Allen or something, like I, I bet you he'd have a higher average depth of target than he did with Tua last year. But Tua remains a starter. And yeah, I think that I would have been totally willing to pay the wide receiver 14 price if, um, you know, Tyreek Hill wasn't ever traded to this team. But God, it is really difficult to sort of reconcile that Tyreek Hill is a top five receiver in the league. Um, He's going to come, like you said, command those targets because he is that good. And I think if you view Tyreek Hill as a top 10 receiver, which if I'm breaking ties in in the favor of one of these two guys, it's going to be in the favor of Tyreek Hill. And you're still going to rank Jalen Waddle as wide receiver 14. You pretty much have to believe from a projection standpoint that nobody else is really going to make much of a dent in this passing game. And I mean, look, that could be totally fair. We haven't seen one like nice thing about Mike Kosecki since this new coaching staff arrived there. Like they want him to play inline tight end and he's not playing inline tight yeah, end. It's going to be Durham Smith. It's going to be yeah. Durham Smith. Like, oh uh, yeah. Right. Mike, I mean, so Mike, right. Did we Mike argue about Smith, that? I don't know. It should be minutes. Smith, but <laughs> I mean, who cares? Either way, long story short, who cares about Durham Smith or Smythe? Like, I mean, that's what, that's what we're talking about at this point. It's going to have to be these two guys like absolutely dominating targets because this team's probably going to be pretty run heavy too, right? Like if we believe in the coaching philosophy that Mike McDaniel is going to bring over from San Francisco, I just think there's a lot of questions about Jalen Waddle, not the player, but just about the outlook this year. And he's a guy that I've got ranked lower than consensus, you know, bunch behind several of the guys we're going to talk about next. Yeah, same here. I, I just, you know, I, I just, it just doesn't, the math doesn't really add up. Sean, what about you? Where do you have Waddle ranked? Yeah, this is, um, you know, definitely a situation of I don't hate the player. I hate the ADP. So I, I have ranked, you know, six slots lower than ADP. So I'm not getting him too much. And, you know, last year was just the perfect storm of target share for him. Devontae Parker missed a ton of time. You know, the Dolphins brought in Will Fuller to sit on their IR all season. Um, so he didn't really have much competition <laughs> there for targets. And plus the O-line was a disaster. So they would just scheme up quick passes to Jalen Waddle every game. Um, so yeah, with Tyreek Hill there, that's going to command, you know, targets and 
Cedric Wilson's kind of sneaky too. He should see a ton of playing time. So I think it's going to be way tougher for Waddle um, to hit, you know, like low end wide receiver one value. Unless you think two is going to make a significant year three leap. Um, I'm staying away from uh, Waddle this year. Terry McLaurin is next. Uh, another guy who, you know, the talent is there. Um, interestingly enough, you know, last season, he played all 17 games and he still finished as the wide receiver at 25. Uh, he had 77 catches, uh, 1,053 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, Matt, do you think Carson Wentz is enough of an upgrade over Taylor Heineke to justify McLaurin's ADP uh, going into the season? Yeah, you kind of got to say it through gritted teeth. Um, but I think <laughs> Carson Wentz is the best quarterback that Terry McLaurin's ever played with. Um, here's the thing about Terry McLaurin, just awesome player, right? But And if you could sort of kind of, I, I think this is my favorite, or one of my favorite RP stats over the last few years. Terry McLaurin was fifth in the NFL in success rate versus man coverage among the guys they charted last year, but was second in percentage of contested targets because he's playing with Taylor Heineke. And, you know, shout out to ODU's <laughs> finest. But that guy cannot push the ball down the field. So there are a lot of routes where the ball's late getting there and Terry's still a star. So he can go up and win those passes. But um, we also kind of forget, too, that you know, obviously Taylor Heineke was not supposed to be the starter for this team last year. They lost Ryan Fitzpatrick like right away. And, and you just kind of forget about that. But they also were, you know, without Curtis Samuel for long stretches of the season, without Logan Thomas for long stretches of the season. And Antonio Gibson's like playing on a busted shin back there. It was basically Terry McLaurin and the preseason boys for a long stretch of time last year. He was actually third in percentage of routes doubled last year in our, in reception perception was Terry McLaurin. So I think all things like th that's a, that's a lot stacked against you. If you're McLaurin last year, um, even if it's, you know, you can dominate the target share, like what's the, it's a huge slice of the pie, but what kind of pie are we really talking about here with that offense last year? So I think Terry's a, a no doubt superstar talent. I, I think he's he could just go absolutely nuts in the right situation. I don't think this is the right situation, though, obviously. So I've got him like kind of right around this area, like wide receiver 14, 15. Um, I, I think he's good enough just if everything hit to be a top 10 fantasy receiver. It's just this is still probably not that situation. Yeah, it, it, he's a, it's odd because I feel like, you know, I want to be able to to project him as high as, you know, wide receiver 15, but he comes in more in the back end, like wide receiver 19 in, in my model, just because I don't know. It's kind of, I kind of expect a similar season. Sean, what about you? What do you, what do you got for, uh, for Terry? Well, first, Matt, if you don't mind, I'm going to take Terry McLaurin and the preseason boys is my new band name. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I don't know like, if you're going to sell out a lot of shows, but good luck. <laughs> yeah, probably, not. probably not. But you know, as Matt was saying, like, you grit your teeth about Wentz, but like he probably is an upgrade at quarterback from like the carousel of like eight to nine quarterbacks we've seen with McLaurin over the years. Uh, certainly downfield, you know, last year, I always bring it up. McLaurin only saw 48% of his downfield targets were catchable. Um, Wentz, is, he's a decent downfield thrower. Uh, he had 76% of his downfield throws last year were catchable, which ranked fourth in the league. So I think they are going to connect on a few more deep balls this year. Either way, McLaurin, you know, he ranked second in percent share of his team's air yards last season. I don't see why that would go down this year. I mean, Jahan Dotson should be able to step up as a solid number two, but McLaurin's still going to dominate uh, in target share this year. So I do like him in the wide receiver 15 range. He does fall at times to 17 through 19. Like, that's how this wide receiver tier is. You get some of these guys that drop, you know, close to the, you know, wide receiver 20 range. Um, so I like getting him when he falls. I think he's he's definitely one of those guys that has a 
high floor and ceiling combo that I like to target as my wide receiver two, or even like my first wide receiver three, you know, taking him pretty early. Uh, but yeah, I do like McCorn this year. Yeah, he's, he feels very safe just because of the target share. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen him kind of ball out with the bad quarterbacks, but I, I, I mean, this narrative that Carson Wentz is better than like anyone he's had. Well, it's like, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. Alex you know, if, Smith, Tyler let's, let's look at the numbers though. So last season, Taylor Heineke, <laughs> 6.9 yards per attempt. Last season, Carson Wentz, 6.9 yards per attempt. Career, Carson Wentz, 6.8 yards per attempt. Career, Taylor Heineke, 6.8 yards per attempt. Like, it's like, it just doesn't, it, it's the, it's going to be the same thing at the end of the day. He might just get his yards different because, like, Carson Wentz could throw deep better, but he's going to, like, whiff on, like, the easy throws to, to Terry yeah. and make him, like, you know, so it's. Kyle Allen, Garrett Gilbert. I'm trying to remember, like, other quarterbacks he's had. It's been bad. There's some real real goofballs. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, Carson Wentz is definitely (laughs) below average. I'm not denying that. Uh, Yeah, but no, I've I've actually taken a lot of Terry. Um, You know, I I don't mind him there. I think even, you know, even if I have him, you know, ranked maybe a couple spots back from, Mm -hmm. you know, where he's going, he's just, he just feels so safe, especially compared, you know, you have guys like, you know, Mike Williams is in this tier. He's, he's more of the wide receiver two on his team. And, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, Waddle goes in this range. I think that's too high. So I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind Terry. Uh, Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver 16. Matt, you know, was Big Ben holding Deontay back these last two years? I mean, Big Ben only averaged 6.6 and then 6.2 yards per attempt. But because he, you know, averaged so few yards per attempt, he was throwing a lot of balls. And, you know, Pittsburgh was near the top of the league in attempts the last couple of years. I don't know if I see that with the quarterbacks they have now, but he, I mean, he absolutely murdered a reception perception, right? Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, he's a really good player. I think, although I think to answer the questions, like was big Ben holding him back? Yes. And will Pittsburgh take a step back and pass attempts? Also? Yes, probably. Yeah. So um, I think the answer is yes to both. I do think Deontay Johnson is a bit of a misunderstood player because of his like average depth of target or yards per target and stuff like that. And I think that is all big Ben related, like probably the most limiting quarterback in the entire NFL. And it's not that he was, I mean, he was awful as an individual player for sure, but it's also because like, there's so much that Ben can't or won't do um, at this point in his career. Like he won't go under center. He won't run a lot of play action. Like he will not turn his back to the defense. He will not get hit. Um, Like, there was no, if Ben Roethlisberger had to pump fake once last year, like he was getting sacked every single time, period. Uh, like that was, it was just it, Pittsburgh's offense rough to watch the last two seasons. But, you know, I think when you do isolate Deontay Johnson through reception perception, you see a really good player. He was first in success rate versus zone last or in 2020. And last year he was second only because Cooper, Cooper cup went absolutely nuclear. Um, but still he's like a 91st percentile player against man coverage as well. He's, legitimately gets open at all three levels of the field. And I think that's the thing about Deontay that kind of goes um, undersold. I think that Pickens has a chance, George Pickens, who I liked a lot coming in the NFL. And I mean, he's just, you know, going nuts in training camp and preseason. I think there's a chance that he's the second starter in two wide receiver sets mm-hmm. ahead of Chase Claypool. I, I think almost like seems like a given at this point because Pickens, I mean, also, by the way, guys, it isn't terrible that like they had Chase Claypool read George Pickens' name on draft night. Like that is going to end up replacing him. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So I think Deontay really good player. Um, it's just a weird offense to invest in right now. Um, so I've kind of had him as like not a green light player, not a yellow or not a red light player, but some like a yellow light player. Like I'm okay with taking him at his 80 peaks. I feel really good about him, but 
uh, just as an individual player. But man, I mean, like we're talking about Mr. Bisky, maybe rookie Kenny Pickett at some point this year. It's a weird quarterback situation to get involved in. Yeah, I think that's that's just kind of the worry. It's hard to nail down, especially because we don't even really know the breakdown of, you know, who's going to start for Pittsburgh, you know, all 17 games. You know, mm-hmm. it could be a kind of a yeah. mix of these guys. Um, you know, Pickett did play well, so hopefully he just kind of wins that job sooner than yeah, later. Yeah, that's what we want. Uh, Sean, what do you, where are you on Deontay? Yeah, he, he sort of reminds me of Waddle where I definitely love the player, but just the ADP, it's, it's hard to get there with him. I'm projecting, him, you know, wide receiver 21 right now, just because like you mentioned, Raybon, I think that, you know, the efficiency of this offense can't get any worse without big Ben, but certainly the, the pass volume will go down. They, they ranked fourth last season in pass attempts. So I think they're going to be more balanced this year, which will hurt Deontay's, um, you know, targets. And, you know, he benefited last year from Juju Smith-Schuster missing most of the season. So I think having two viable wide receivers and Chase Claypool and now George Pickens there will eat into that. And then we got to remember, Prep Firemuth is going to be, you know, even better in year two. So uh, there's just a lot of mouths to feed in this offense that probably won't be averaging more than 240 yards a game. Um, so it's just hard for me to get there with Deontay Johnson. But I do, you know, love him as a player. It's just yeah, just this season I'm downgrading just a little bit. For me, you know, I actually have them in this range. Um, what does it for me is, you know, I factor in uh, targets per route run a lot. You know, I obviously, mm-hmm. you know, targets is kind of a it's somewhat of a usage stat, but somewhat of a skill stat. You know, you still do have to get open. Uh, he's he's averaged 27 percent uh, the last two years. Um, you know, so yeah. that's pretty impressive given, you know, a, a lot like not all of that was without, you know, Juju and, and without other guys. You know, Claypool was playing well that that year in 2020 and. Um, Deontay was still kind of at that same pace. I think that will obviously go down if the average depth of target goes up. But, you know, either way, I mean, it, that kind of just matches up to, to Matt, what, what you found in, in reception perception. The guy is just always open, you know, 27%. Yeah. That's elite in terms yeah, of I targets mean, per route run. You got to think about, too, with the Juju part of it. And I like, I actually like Juju this year. Um, but, you know, this is like Juju was coming kind of into his peak when Deontay got drafted by the team and then like, one guy just rocketed past the other on the depth chart. And I think a lot of that is just player quality with mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson there too. And, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a weird offense. And, and I agree, Sean, like if you look at this team, you could, I'm like weirdly obsessed with the Steelers and I have never, I'm not like a Steelers fan. I'm not from the area I have no, no attachment to the team whatsoever, but um, maybe it's cause I am like, I like Deontay Johnson a lot as a player, but if you squinted this offense, it's like, yeah, there's some good. There's a lot of good players here that could potentially command targets, and then we're talking about them commanding targets from, you know, like Mitch Trubisky for the first four games, and then maybe Kenny. Pitt. I don't know. It's it's a very very strange offense that I think could have really good fantasy like values in it, but just hard to project. All right, let's jump to uh, wide receiver seventeen, DK Metcalf. Matt, uh, are we betting on talent here, or is this ADP too high given his loss of Russell Wilson? It's too high. I mean, it is a bet on talent if you're going to have him at wide receiver 17. Um, I, I didn't look at the at the ADP source uh, too closely, but or at least I didn't see where Tyler Lockett was. But I guarantee I think Tyler Lockett's 39, I think. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's, Lockett. yeah, that's the guy I'm, I'm targeting in this offense. I, I can't, and I I can't help myself, Chris, but I, I draft Tyler Lockett in like the ninth round every yes. freaking time he falls there. Um, I because I still think that there's not that big of a gap between these two guys, like having Lockett at 39 and DK at 17. Like for me personally, I've got Lockett maybe closer to 36 and, you know, DK closer to 20 or 21. So, I mean, for me, I've got 
DK a little lower than consensus and lock it a little higher. Cause I don't think the gap is going to be that wide. Like if these guys, if Lockett has to lose that much because of losing Russell Wilson, like I think DK, even if he's closer to kind of the prime of his career, um, but Lockett was great last year too. I mean, both these guys are really good players. I don't know either way. Like, I don't want to be too aggressive on like these, as much as I love this duo of wide receivers. I think they're one of the three best duos in the NFL still like Geno Smith and Drew Locke. That's an unserious quarterback situation. Like you, that's not <laughs> that's not real. It's not. It, it. I can't believe that. Like, they have some kind of like handshake deal with Gino or something where they're just gonna like give him every opportunity to be the starter. Like, it, I, it's kind of absurd. Like, this is the Gino Smith that got punched in the face on the New York Jet. Like, this is the same Gino Smith. Like, we're still he's still in the league. Like, in the starter conversation, it's crazy. Can you can you remember a situation where I mean, it's not as if Gino's even like young or promising. Like he was drafted <laughs> in two thousand. 13 you know like he's washed this is what it's Seahawks Seahawks is like his fourth team because he was was it wasn't he on well, he was on the Giants and was he was on like another team there for a hot sec or I don't I don't even yeah, know he's, maybe yeah, he's on team. both New York teams I know that yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so like the, the Chargers he's on the Chargers for a year yeah he was that's right I couldn't remember if it was the Raiders or the Chargers it was one AFC well I never thought Raiders because he like started for the Giants in that um, infamous uh, Ben McAdoo benching Eli Manning and then you yeah know, uh, yeah I forgot yeah. about that I clearly see the point is Gino's been our lives a long time. I can't remember like a, a not young, not a guy that's like flashed recently getting just like the runway to start with an NFL team. It, it's bizarre. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And I mean, you know, maybe Drew Locke takes over, but Drew, Drew Locke hasn't been great either. Yeah. So it, it's tough. Sean, what are, where are you on DK? Uh, are you uh, at wide receiver 17 or are you below? <laughs> Now I have him right here, which is unfortunate. He's he's very hard to project this year because of all the things you guys mentioned. I mean, he's still an elite talent. Uh, he could still provide, you know, low-end wide receiver one production, even without Russell Wilson. He did it last year when Geno Smith started week six through eight. He was the wide receiver eight. Um, and Drew Locke, you know, he's terrible, but he's a bit of a gunslinger. I mean, if he's throwing interceptions and they get behind, he's still going to be slinging it. So that helps Metcalf. Um, so it's a weird situation. And, you know, Metcalf, he was very volatile uh, last season, even with Russ Wilson. Uh, he finished outside of the top 24, 65% of the time last year, which ranked 28 out of 100 wide receivers that played at least 10 games. So it just goes to show that he does have a pretty low floor d- despite being a late talent. So he's a player. I- I'm not really targeting him in this range. I much rather have like a Brandon Cooks type of guy that you can rely on week in, week out. So just I have Metcalf ranked here. I'm just not drafting him here. Yeah, it's it's weird because you you kind of feel like okay, Metcalf's one of these you know number one wide receivers that's kind of locked into this you know target share, and that's you know that's what kind of makes him safe. But I mean, Tyler Lockett's no slouch. Metcalf right. did out target him you know on a per route basis um, by about five percent, which is pretty good. But you know, Lockett's still there, you know, getting like over twenty percent. So um, yeah, I have him in the mid twenties. You know, I, I can't really upgrade him when there's just you know there's so many questions that. At quarterback, I mean, this is this is this, this is Geno Smith we're talking about here. Uh, <laughs> uh, DJ Moore, I, this one seems a little low for me. Uh, but Matt, I'll ask you: like, are the eleven hundred yards and four TDs like each of the last three seasons? It's pretty much what he does: eleven hundred yards, four touchdowns. Is that closer to his true like median? Is that his floor? Is that his ceiling? Like, will he ever break through in the touchdown department? Talk to me. 
I mean, you'd imagine at some point he's got to have a season where he gets like seven and eight or something like that, you know, as a, like just four year in and year out is pretty crazy. Um, I think DJ Moore's a really good player. Uh, and like talk about a guy that's, you know, just gone through the ringer in terms of quarterback play. Like the moment he gets there and starts kind of establishing himself, Cam Newton's shoulder falls off. And then he's had, you know, uh, the ta- he's had the Taylor Heineke experience, I think, for a couple of seconds there. Uh, and then the Kyle Allen year, um, he's had, you know, Sam Darnold. It's just been a murderer's row of bad quarterbacks. And I think Baker Mayfield is um, pretty, like, I think he's probably average. I think he's an average quarterback. But average is an awful lot better uh, for DJ more than what he's been dealing with. I have ranked quite a few spots ahead of wide receiver 18 because I do think he's a really good player. I think also, like, his target share in this offense and the pace of this offense is a little underrated uh, for the last three seasons. And, you know, you just look at you just look at DJ Moore like he's one of these guys that I kind of want to bet on having a ceiling season at some point. And, you know, if Baker can give them 2020 Baker levels of play, I think there's a chance that DJ Moore sees a huge target share and like just a huge raw target number like he did last year and then turns in a really nice season. The one thing I I will complain about because I always will happily complain about the Panthers. um, I think they're kind of like a little backwards in the way they use DJ more. Like I talked about these offensive coordinators and play callers using these number one wide receivers in creative ways. I kind of hate how they just roll him out as the X receiver. I, I, I think DJ Moore would actually be great in like a Debo Sam. I know the Debo Samuel role gets kind of like thrown around all the time now, but not like as a pure rusher, but in the way they get him like design touches and like having him run over the middle of routes over and over and over again. I feel like that would actually be better for DJ Moore as a detached line of scrimmage player. But I mean, Listen, the Panthers haven't done a lot of smart things in the last couple of years. Yeah, it is kind of surprising that they, you know, they just line up with, uh, you know, as the X because he's not really like, you know, killing. I mean, he's, he's, I think, what is he better? He's better than average against man coverage and he's average against press, right? So, yeah, he was like, better yeah. in 2020 than he was last year from like a separation standpoint, but he's taken a lot of progress from where he was earlier in his career where I almost thought like, man, he might have to be a gadget player because he was so raw as a route runner his first couple of years. But, so he's made a lot of improvements, but yeah, I agree. He's like, I think he's certainly a player that would benefit from being moved around the formation more, but they just have never really done that. Don, where are you on DJ Moore? Uh, well, he's essentially the NFC South Keenan Allen, just pencil him in for 90 catches for 1200 yards and four to six touchdowns and move on with life. That <laughs> like, that's pretty much what he is right now. And I think that, you know, I, I think I've taken um, the over four and a half touchdowns receiving touchdowns for him. The past two seasons, I promise I will stop this year. So he's absolutely <laughs> crushing it this year. But so I mean, this last year, <laughs> yeah, this is the year. I think he should. He's not going to be a ten touchdown, like double digit touchdown guy, of course. But certainly, you know, five to seven touchdowns is in his range of outcomes. He led the team with ten end zone targets last year. Um, all four of his touchdowns were end zone targets. So you'd think a player with his, you know, after the catch ability, he'd be able to sneak in one or two outside of the end zone. So I think that, you know, six to seven touchdowns is a fair projection for him. So we've, we've yet to see his ceiling. I don't know if it's, you know, elite wide receiver one, but I do think getting him sort of in this mid range wide receiver two, low wide receiver two is decent because he's going to provide you high floor. And that's kind of what you need um, in season long head to head formats anyway. Yeah. I mean, I have him uh, wide receiver 14. So I'm a few spots higher as well um, on DJ. I'm just waiting for him to do something different besides the 1100 yards and the four (laughs) touchdowns. But um, I mean, he's just so locked into his target share too. I mean, 
especially after Robbie Anderson took that big step back. I mean, they still, yeah. I mean, they have Tommy Tremble. That's, that's nobody at tight end. You know, there's Harris Marshall was probably the worst wide receiver in the history of football last year. Like it's yeah. just, it's just, it, it's, there's not much there to, to, you know, to challenge him. Uh, Mike Williams. This one is a, another tough one. Cause I feel like, like he was what the wide receiver 12 and yeah, the wide receiver 12 in points per game last year uh, and half PPR, but he had, it was just really like a tale of, you know, either he's, it's like a, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Uh, Matt, do you think there'll be enough consistency uh, for redraft taking him at wide receiver 19? Probably not. Um, I think he's a volatile producer because he's kind of a volatile player. Uh, it feels like we almost got a little greedy with Keenan Allen or not Keenan Allen with uh, Mike Williams last year, where I had been saying for a couple of years, like the Chargers, I think, man, I think the more you think about that Anthony Lynn coaching staff, it was really bad uh, just from like player usage. Um, you know, they had just Mike Williams kind of um, like they, they really pigeonholed Austin Eckler is we're not going to use you around the goal line. Like we're not going to like draw you up creative ways because you're too small. And that was like, they're always trying to get these bad banger backs in there to take away carries in that way. And it's some, sort of similar with Mike Williams. You know, they were always using him as just a pure like vertical receiver. You know, I remember the Philip Rivers years of him just throwing up like little lollipops down the field, like, cause he couldn't push the ball deep anymore to Mike Williams. And I was like, Mike Williams can do a little more than that. You know, he can be a guy that you throw the ball on, you know, into space because he's big and, you know, he can separate on some over the middle routes and um, he's such a long strider. So he can get open in, in some ways like that. But then we sort of got that the first four weeks of the season. And it seems as if people want to like, all right, now he can, maybe he can overtake Keenan Allen. And I, I don't know about that. I mean, I just think that Michael is probably not a true number one receiver. I think he's sort of a boom bust wide receiver too, that um, can do a lot. It can do a lot more than he was just doing in his early career when he was exclusively a vertical receiver. Um, but he's probably not the type of separator that you want handling a huge target share um, because then your passing offense is just going to be very volatile. But Chargers are a weird team, man. Like they don't have a lot of team speed. You know, it's like Keenan Allen, it's Mike Williams, and then Josh Palmer, who is kind of like fits into the same archetype of receiver as these two guys, you know, slower, but, um, you know, maybe can win in contested situations. I, I don't know. I, I still, I've got, I, I'm doing the ultimate hedge thing though in my, in my rankings where I have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams in like back to back spots. But I, I don't know if that's like, I still don't know if I really like that though. I don't, I wouldn't sleep on Keenan. Keenan Allen's like the best route, might be the best route runner in the game. I mean, Keenan Allen yeah. just dog walks people. Mike Williams is like kind of the opposite. Like you said, he's, he's a different I player. I mean, the thing like Keenan Allen just always going to give you like five catches for like 60 yards. Like whether he gets the touchdown, it is what it is. But like <laughs> Williams is like, you know, two catches for five yards or, you know, four for 150, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little different, but Sean, what about you? I mean, you are, you were like the Mike Williams champion. <laughs> Um, and now you, the you first probably jinxed him. Yeah, you, you did your victory. Oh, I mean, but you had, I mean, you, really, you, you still finished as the wide receiver 12. So yeah. I would still say you were right about oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he was the wide receiver had the most exposure to last season. Um, and that's, he was going in the wide receiver 40 to 45 range. Yeah. It was way more fun getting a guy like him there. So getting him a wide receiver 19, I'm shying away a little bit. You know, as Matt mentioned, he's a volatile player. So it just comes with the territory. Um, but I think, you know, considering I had Williams on like all of my teams, I do remember he suffered a knee injury in week five. Um, and then he was very limited the next week. And then they had the bye week where he was healthy enough to play. I think that really did hurt uh, the momentum he had. So he might have been 
feel that knee injury all season. We don't really know, but that seemed to be the trigger point when he really fell off the cliff. But we have to remember, he's going to be Justin Herbert's number one downfield target and number one end zone target. So there's a lot of value in that, but it does come with a lot of volatility. So that's why, you know, it's going to be a bumpy ride, uh, but he does carry a high ceiling and a low floor. You just have to know that uh, when you draft him. Again, it was a lot more fun getting him in the wide receiver 40 range where he's, you know, on your bench to start the season. Whereas this year, you know, he's got to be a mid to low range wide receiver too. I think that's where he should have been ranked last year, but just know he's going to be very volatile week to week. Obviously preferable in best ball. Um, you yeah. Know, yep. You could still do it with him in season long, but uh, you know, for a guy you're drafting this high, I think I'd like a little bit more uh, consistency. The mm-hmm. ceiling is, is still there though, but uh, would, would like a little more consistency. Uh, Brandon cooks wide receiver 20. I mean, He's had 6,000 yard seasons in the last seven. And he had like this one really bad one mixed in on the Rams of all teams with, with Sean McVay. So it's, it's kind of tough to get around. I mean, he comes up really well in my model because there's just no one else in Houston to catch the football uh, at this point. So, uh, Matt, you know, what do you kind of make of his, you know, true Florence ceiling, you know, being that he's probably going to be a target hot, but in this really uh, bad passing offense? Yeah, he's super easy to project. I feel like he's going to come in right at around this range. Um, and he, he's a boring pick, but like feels pretty good just because he's a good player. He's going to have a good target share. And I think Davis Mills showed enough last year to be like, OK, I'm all right. Fine. I'm, I'm fine attaching myself to his pass catchers. I would say, though, like I really like Nico Collins as a potential like sleeper. Uh, you know, and you get him so late in draft that like I'll. I would tell her, just take Nico Collins at the end of your draft in every single draft, just because I think he's got a chance to walk into like a hundred targets. And um, he looks like from a player comparison standpoint, his rookie year reception perception actually looks a lot like T Higgins and like AJ Brown's rookie year. There's a couple other goof goofball comparisons mixed in there, but um, I, those are two ones that I like, especially the T Higgins one really makes a lot of sense to me. So um, I don't know. I I just I don't want to turn this into the Nico Collins section. But, oh um, no, I love it. I think me and Rick, did we end up making a bet on Nico Collins? Side was bet? it James Prochet? Or was well, it, I know we have related James, to the James. Uh, no, I think James we. Prochet. I, yeah, I love I have, me some James. I have Prochet. under forty nine and a half receptions. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought we had like a side deal on Nico Collins. I, I don't think we did. To me, though. But yeah, I love I love the Nico Collins yeah, yeah. discussion though. And what about Brandon Cooks? <laughs> oh, what about Brandon Cooks? Yeah, I think Cooks. I underestimated. Um, just his career, him as a talent, because I assume part of his success was, you know, due to playing with Drew Brees, Tom Brady, good Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson. But uh, I mean, last year, he really impressed me what he did with Davis Mills. So like I said, I rather have a guy like Brandon Cooks than a DK Metcalf or Mike Williams, where, you know, they're going to have a lower floor week to week. Brandon Cooks is as solid as it gets. I love getting him here. And last year, Ray, but remember, I mentioned like Davis Mills locks into his first read he led college football and targeting his first read um in stanford so you know like i, I think that suits well for cooks he's obviously mm-hmm. the focal point of the passing offense so he, he's a very high floor player and i love getting him here yeah he he, he pops in my model i have no issues uh, i actually have him at wide receiver 20 but um yeah he i, I mean it's just such a safe play i mean there's yeah. you know even if nico you know takes a, a big step forward i mean there's, it's just wide open in this offense. It's not like the tight ends aren't really that great. You know, the running backs are just, it's John Mechie's missing the rookie receivers going to miss the whole year with leukemia. Like the the drop off from Nico and and Brandon cooks is like just 
it's, we're talking about like Chris Conley, Chester <laughs> Rogers. I mean, total, total journeyman. I, yeah, I don't even know how to project like the, the, the rotation at this point. Like it's like, who's who cares? Make the team? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy the rest exactly. of your summer, Raybon. Don't yeah, worry about it. Yeah. 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 Don't worry about that. <laughs> Go to a few happy hours. Hey, we'll, we'll scout him at the gate. We're going to the game. this. Oh week. yeah. Yeah. That's out. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they got to play them all. Cause they all stuck. Yeah. Let's see some Philip Dorsett action. Let's go. <laughs> oh God, I forgot he's on this roster. Yeah, yeah he might. He, on, might he might run like play like over half. You might be the three. Point. Yeah, oh, yeah he God, might be the three. Him, Chris Conway is there. It's, it's, it's weird. Uh, Marquise Brown is the wide receiver twenty-one. Matt, he's gonna have six games without DeAndre Hopkins, and then Hopkins gets back. You know, you also have Ertz there. Rondell Moore probably gets a little bit bigger of a role somehow, some way. Uh, still got AJ Green there. Seems like a crowded kind of pass offense for age, uh, for Marquise Brown. Do you think wide receiver 21 is, um, you know, is that enough? You know, those six games without him, will he be consistent once Hopkins comes back? Like, what do you think of, of Marquise here? Well, it would be hard for Rondell Moore not to have a larger role than what he did <laughs> last year, but we'll, we'll see. Um, I really don't trust Cliff Kingsbury with player usage or player deployment because it's just been so strange since he's been there. Um, it's so static too. I really like the idea of Marquise Brown as their potential like vertical slot receiver replacing Christian Kirk. I know that that's like the rhetoric out of Cardinals camp right now is that Rondell Moore could play that position. But I mean, like I said with Rondell Moore, he basically played like fake wide receiver last year. Like what you know, I don't even know if the guy was out there running like those shallow routes against a bunch of zone coverage. So um I do kind of like Marquise Brown in this range. I, I think he's an underrated player. He's been a pretty good zone beater in reception perception the last three years. Um, and he's going to face a lot of zone coverage with another mobile quarterback, just like he did uh, in, in Baltimore as well. And I, I think he can be a better fit as a vertical player with uh, Kyler Murray than he was with Lamar Jackson. So I'm, I'm kind of fine with Marquise Brown here. Um, I really am curious again, because I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury with player deployment. Um, like last year when DeAndre Hopkins missed time, they basically just threw that Wesley guy out there and, and didn't change their in, in Hopkins position. It didn't change the offense at all. And so I wonder if they're going to do the same thing this year in their first six games. And, you know, does that mean that Marquise Brown stays as a slot receiver in four wide receiver sets? I think that would probably be for the best long term. It, it is kind of odd. Yeah, it's, I just I feel like I, he comes out around wide receiver 21 in my rankings when I factor in the Hopkins yeah. and everything. But it just it just feels like there's a lower floor here um with him because like it's just yeah cliff it is wide open offense i mean it could just go so many different ways so um you know i don't have too much marquise brown maybe i gotta bump him down a little bit uh in my ranks um chris godwin's at wide receiver 22 matt what do you think of the impact of the torn acl you know recovery timeline you know and then there's also you know they lose a b and gronk they add julio and russell gage i mean they're probably frees up targets if anything um ab was going crazy when he was in the lineup and gronk was pretty good too um so where are you on on godwin yeah i'm way lower than this on chris godwin and i i hate it because i love the player um big big chris godwin fan have been for years but i'm just really not drafting like any of these guys like him or i mean michael gallup thank god already said like i'm gonna miss was miss week one Don't, don't even that's like not realistic obviously um, Beckham's not on a team either, but I'm typically like going to fade any of these guys that are coming off an injury. That's going to stretch into the regular season. And I don't care that he didn't like, he wasn't on the training camp. PUP like Chris Godwin, I don't think is the, the way they talk about it is that they're expecting to ramp him up more as the season goes on. 
Um, I like Chris Goddard a lot as a player, but I, there's just no way I, I could click him at wide receiver 22 here. Um, yeah, like he was way more fun to take when he was wide receiver 30, 35 in that range. Um, oh, yeah. But now, now that looks like he is trending to at least suit up week one, he, he might take a few weeks, um, you know, to get to 100%. So I, I feel like, oof, yeah, it's tough taking him here. Um, if you are in a very easy home league, you know, where you, somebody in your league is a 49ers fan and they draft Elijah Mitchell in the first round and you can guarantee that you're going to make the <laughs> fancy playoffs, you should absolutely take Chris Godwin here because, you know, by fancy playoff time, he should be a high-end wide receiver too. So I think it depends on league type and what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, but most leagues, um, you know, I would want Godwin to drop outside of at least the top 25 right now, just due to the uncertainty in the first few weeks. Um, but again, his value will peak in the most important time of the year, the fantasy playoffs. Whereas Marquise Brown from earlier, you know, he, his value is going to yeah. peak early in the season. And that's when I'm, you know, less in need of that. Like I, I like guys that will peak in the fantasy playoffs. So that's why I think Chris Godwin has appeal. And if, if you know, you're going to, you know, make it to the playoffs and get first round by anyway, then yeah, you should target him. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it, uh, he is going to kind of ramp it up, but it's, I, I don't like the uncertainty. It's really hard to kind of mm-hmm. know um, how to project him. I mean, you know, is he, is he going to even, is he going to be ready for week one and just not play? I mean, just not play the full complement of snaps. Is he, are they going to hold him out? Like it, we don't really have much clarity. So it's really tough uh, at this point. So yeah, he's a guy I've kind of been like, I, I want to take him. I feel like, I feel like it would be a nice discount if he was just good to go, but um, kind of holding off until we know more. So there's really nothing. Mm-hmm. You just got to, everyone listening, you just got to kind of keep up yep. with the, uh, with the news and, and the rankings and all that. Uh, Jerry Judy is the wide receiver 23. Uh, you know, Matt, what, what do you think of the impact of, of Russell Wilson is here with, with Judy? Should he, and should he be the top Denver wide receiver taking over Portland Sutton? He's, uh, one spot higher than Sutton uh, in the fantasy pros uh, half PPR consensus. Yeah, I've got Sutton a little bit ahead of Judy. And I think we can group these two guys together. Like the one thing I struggle with these Denver receivers is that neither one of these guys is coming off a good season in reception perception. Um, and they're certainly not their peak seasons. And I think you could write both off to injury. You know, we were just talking about Chris Godwin with um, his recovery from an ACL tear. Um, Cortland Sutton fits into this group that we have data on in the first year after an ACL tear. And what I found is since I started doing reception perception in 2014, players coming off and in the first year back from an ACL tear can be expected to lose almost 3% off their success rate versus man coverage numbers from their previous peak. Um, so it's no surprise that, you know, Sutton didn't play up to expectation last year, but he did really struggle. Like he's got to wear a lot of the disappointment from last year. You know, it's funny that we obviously, we know that the Denver Broncos have had a bad quarterback situation for the most part, but like Teddy Bridgewater is not terrible, terrible. And, you know, Cortland Sutton completely disappeared down the stretch when other guys were um, out there. I think he's got to wear some of that blame. Jerry Judy, although did not follow up a very promising rookie year reception perception with a great result. He was kind of more towards that average range and success rate versus man and press coverage last year, but, um, and, and zone coverage as well. But I mean, you can write some of that off to, he was playing with a high ankle sprain, potentially coming back from that. So that's just a struggle with these guys is neither one of them is coming off this like great individual season when like, all right, throw them a good quarterback out there. And Russ is such like a weirdly specific quarterback that he is struggle. I struggle to kind of project him a little bit, but um, I think I feel the best about Cortland Sutton because he has the best peak season on his resume. 
Um, and Judy, I, I actually think he, I've got him in this range kind of now, but I had to, they had to lose Tim Patrick, I think, to bump him up there because now it like, now it's easier to project the targets up, but had Tim Patrick been out there, I think that I probably would have been lower than consensus on Judy and higher than consensus on Tim Patrick. But with these two guys now, like I do think the targets can be a little bit more concentrated. What I like to hear that Tim Patrick love. Uh, I know, man, what a bummer. What a bummer. I think he's going to like, I think he was going to crush it as their like big slot receiver this year, but alas. Yeah, it would, he would, I mean, he would have made it real tough to project those those three guys. Though. So it, it, maybe it is for the best, but uh, yeah, Sean, where are you on, on Judy and, and Sutton? Yeah, this is right about where I have him projected. Uh, just giving Judy just a slight uh, lead over Sutton. Uh, we've really yet to see Judy even come close to his potential yet. I mean, he only has three career touchdowns. So I think just being in a better offense that will be higher scoring will help his touchdown upside. I think he'll score, you know, five to seven this year. Uh, he'll see plenty of targets. So I think we'll see peak Judy finally this year. Uh, but as Matt mentioned, I think just Tim Patrick's injury really narrow this target tree target chair uh to these two um so i think it helps both their floor and ceiling combo patrick was going to be a guy i was targeting later on uh but both these guys um should be you know low-end wide receiver twos um this season and Sutton especially you know last year uh there were so many weeks where he like led the league in air yards but didn't convert to fancy points you know unfortunately air yards that we don't have a scoring system for air yards yet but this year he'll convert those <laughs> to receiving yards with more accurate, you know, passes from Russ Wilson. Hopefully, um, plus he had zero touchdown on his uh, five end zone targets last year. So I think there's some positive touchdown regression incoming for Sutton too. So I like both players, but it's just hard to you know really squeeze that value when they're already going uh, pretty high to begin with. So uh, I, I'm ranking them right where they're going right now. Yeah, I think both of them will bounce back. I think with Sutton, you know. His, like you mentioned, his area, his average up to target was 15.8 last year. Um, you know, so that's like, that's really high for a guy that's out there, you know, playing, you know, running 90% of the routes, you know. So, yeah, I, you know, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, it's never really been a great downfield thrower. Um, so that, you know, that's kind of, I think that contributed. I do think the injury, as you mentioned, Matt, uh, contributed as well. So he's, he's a year removed from that. I think the quarterbacks, like, I think, the quarterback suits Sutton like the best. Like I think Russ Agreed. is like, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it helps Sutton. So like Sutton has that, you know, like I don't want to see DK Metcalf upside, but like, you know, similar, he could be used in a similar way because he has been used in a similar way, even without Russell Wilson already. So um, there is, you know, I, I think there is some upside there. I'm cautiously optimistic uh, on him. And I, I mean, these, all these wide receivers in this, like, you know, range are kind of like, they're all, I all got them projected really close. So it's like, yeah. 23 24 yeah. 28 29 like it's, it's kind of all the same at this point um but uh yeah i have no real issue taking Sutton. yeah i think he uh i think him and judy both uh both rebound uh all right let's let's jump to uh let's talk about the wide receivers in the in this 20 this wide receiver three range matt uh, who's your favorite value uh in the 25 to 36 range yeah, I think for the first time in human history, I'm I'm well ahead of consensus on Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, <laughs> I think he's actually a really good fit for what the Chiefs need. You know, obviously he's kind of fallen off the map the last couple of years with Ben Roethlisberger, and then he got injured last year as well. But I think he's gone from being one of the most overrated receivers in the NFL early in his career to now kind of one of the most underrated receivers. Like he's still a pretty good big slot receiver, a guy that you want to play off the formation. Um, and I think he can be that type of guy as their flanker slot in Kansas City. 
you know, actually it, last year he was 11th in terms of success rate versus zone coverage. He actually has the 11th best score all time from his 2019 season in success rate versus zone coverage. So, you know, he's not a like traditional press man beater on the outside. He's not a traditional number one receiver, but I think he's the most secure non-Kelsey pass catcher on this Chiefs team who can beat zone coverage. And, you know, I've got him projected well ahead of his uh, wide receiver 33, I think, ADP on Fantasy Pros right now. So, yeah, I've been really into Juju this year and really into drafting, which, I, like I said, is probably the first time in, in many, many years. If he gets like, you know, 85% of the snaps or something, he should beat this ADP. The only thing I'm worried about is like, they keep saying like, oh, we want to spread the ball around this year. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know if that just means like, oh, we lost Tyreek Hill. Like, we're just going to like say things that make it sound less bad that we lost Tyreek Hill. <laughs> or, or they that's really usually wanna, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or they just, so, I mean, that's the only concern, but uh, you know, I think the other guys, my, my thought on that is like the other guys kind of cannibalize each other, like MVS sky. Moore, I'm a big sky Moore fan, but like, I don't know that he's going to have a real role to start the season. He yeah. might be kind of like a ladder, you know, part of the season player. And like, as much as everybody hates to admit it, McCole Hardman is still going to probably have a role on this team. So I think like those three guys all kind of cannibalize each other, uh, MVS sky Moore and, and McCole Hardman, but Juju feels the safest to me. I don't know. Uh, Sean, who do you like the most in the wide receiver 25 to 36 range? I mean, if you had to set odds on this, um, I, I should have been what minus 5,000 that I would say <laughs> Gabe Davis here. Uh, so yeah, I'm going with Gabe Davis. Uh, I was super excited about him this time last year. I think this is, or, you know, it was late July. They signed Emmanuel Sanders and that just crushed my hopes and dreams of, you know, <laughs> taking Gabe Davis a year early, but I think we're going to finally see it year three breakout. Um, unfortunately he had to ruin his under the Raider, uh, status this year by going off for 200 yards and four <laughs> touchdowns against the chiefs. So his ADP is out of control, but I still think he offers value even in the, you know, wide receiver 28 to 30 range. I know people are arguing whether it's a hot take or not. I loved him before that game. So I just have to stay uh, higher than him <laughs> against consensus. Um, but he's either way, he's going to be Josh Allen's number two target. And he has shined anytime he's seen, you know, starter playing time. Last year, he was severely limited behind Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so it wasn't shocking to see him go off in that game when he finally, you know, ran her out over 75% of the time. So, uh, Raybon, I'm disappointed you're not wearing that ripped shirt. Anyways, <laughs> you knew this was going to be the Gabe Davis pod. But, I mean, how am I going to pass him up here? So just in this range, I still love Gabe Davis. Yeah, you know, I love me some Gabe Davis as well, but I'll, I'll go with Elijah Moore here because I think, you know, looking at the, you know, he's down at wide receiver 34. Um, I think, you know, he's primed for a year to leap. Uh, a guy who his targets per route run was up around 25%. You know, his, I know he did really well in reception perception as well. I think he was in like the oh, 70th yeah. percentile or better. So he's just a guy that can flat out get open. And he was doing it like down the field, you know, his average at the mm -hmm. target was around 13 and he was still commanding like a 25% target per route. Uh, I just think this guy could take a big step forward. And that's, you know, even if, you know, he was doing all this with just like nothing really at the quarterback position. So, um, you know, that's also a really good sign. I think, I think Moore will be the number one wide receiver this year. I think Garrett Wilson will probably slide in as a two. Um, and Corey Davis will be kind of the forgotten one. But, um, uh, you know, for, for where he's going at wide receiver 34, um, I really like Elijah Moore. I think he's right in, you know, with all these other guys that are going, you know, wide receiver 28, 29, 30. Uh, you could get him sometimes around later. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the guys outside the top 36. Give me one guy that you like uh, in that range, Matt. 
Yeah, I'm doubling down from last year. I'm going back to Brandon Ayuk uh, in this range. I mean, he's much, you don't have to draft him as high as you did last year, right? Uh, so, I mean, this, the steady drum beat out of um, San Francisco matters a lot to me, how much they've been impressed with him, how much like Kyle Shanahan's been publicly, uh, you know, publicly praising him, everything like that, because we know what went so wrong in the first seven weeks of last year was he was basically just thrown into the doghouse. But, you know, once he got out there, like in the last eight to, weeks, eight to 18, he was like a top 20 fantasy receiver. He was basically the guy that you drafted him to be. And I think there's a chance that he can take another step as a player. I mean, I just think he's so talented. He's really good in reception perception, an awesome rookie year. Still had a pretty good year last year, even though he was, you know, throwing the doghouse there for a while. And, you know, it just sounds like they're very, very happy with him as a player, you know, pretty much like from beat reporters to fellow defenders like Jimmy Ward saying he's the best best player in training camp and, you know, the coaching staff as well. Everybody's kind of on board with Ayuk. And I, I definitely had to knock. And it's no shot on Debo, but I had to like knock Debo a couple spots down just because I want to keep knocking Ayuk up um, as a guy that I think people should draft because I just think that his ceiling as a player has yet to be uh, reached. And I think that with the trade over to Trey Lance now as, as the quarterback, like, He's going to unlock those more downfield portions of the season, even if Trey Lance is probably going to be a little bit of a roller coaster ride this year, which I think is just going to be the case. I, I think that there's a lot of upside from an efficiency downfield passing perspective uh, with a player like you can Trey Lance. Trey Lance looked pretty good in, in that uh, in that preseason yeah. game. Yeah, hit the, oh, yeah. Hit, what was it Danny Gray with the, with the with the long pass? That was on point. So, yeah, I mean, I actually think Trey Lance will be fine. Um, so and, and Ayuk was. You know, once he got going, he was out there like 95% of the time. Like he was, he was one of those guys that rarely, rarely came off the field. So um, I would not be surprised to see him take another step. Uh, Sean, what about you? Who you like? Uh, I got to go with Drake London uh, just because he's my favorite rookie wide receiver heading into the season. You, you guys know we all live in LA. Uh, it's very easy to watch USC football uh, during the NFL season. So I do <laughs> happen to watch uh, my fair share of Trojan games. Um, and just, he reminded me sort of like a mixture of Mike Evans and Keenan Allen. Like I thought he was that good. Um, and certainly it showed in his, his one preseason catch before he got hurt. I mean, it just proved my priors. So, uh, I thought it, he looked solid and unfortunately he might miss the rest of the preseason. I think that'll help his ADP. Uh, cause I think the more he was going to play and the more film he was going to have out there, I think people will catch on. Plus, you know, he's going to see a massive target share in this offense. I don't even know who the hell to project. For the wide receiver two right now, is it Brian Edwards? Yeah, it, it should be Edwards. It should be I Edwards, mean, yeah. either way, this this offense will throw through, uh, flow through uh, Cordell Patterson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts. So it's going to be a pretty narrow target share between those three. Uh, I just love his upside. He's going to have a high floor. So just getting him in this wide receiver forty to forty five range is the perfect time to take a guy like him. This is when I was getting Mike Williams last year, and if he does happen to start off kind of slow in week one, do this new injury which I'm not expecting. It doesn't matter because you're not drafting him for week one anyway. You're drafting him for once bye weeks hit um, or if he, you know, breaks out. So I, I just love where he's going and he's he's got to be the favorite to score the most uh, fantasy points for all rookie wide receivers. So I love getting him here. Yeah, I, I, I'm with Drake London too. I mean, he's just, like, he, his ADP, I think it dropped a couple of spots maybe because of the injury, but yep. at wide yep. receiver 45, I mean, you know, I, I kind of gone back and forth on him. I loved him initially, but then I kind of worried, you know, is, is he going to be, able to, uh, to to separate and then I went and looked back and watched him and I'm with you I mean this guy can get open like he's not yeah. he's not a stiff at all like he's a he's just a big athletic guy that can get open and uh I think he's gonna be able to do that now you you, you never know you know the Falcons could they be maybe a lower volume passing team maybe but 
Um, I mean, it's going to be him and Kyle Pitts. So anytime you can get a wide receiver one that's like locked into a wide receiver one role (laughs) uh, at wide receiver 45, I think you've got to take it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, for perspective, like right now, Drake London is going after Russell Gage, Alan Lazard and Chase Claypool. Like Russell Gage could be the wide receiver four on opening day. Alan Lazard is like, like he could be the wide receiver three uh, at an opening day. And I will not stand for any Alan Lazard slander, by the way. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Romeo Dobbs, baby. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, I mean, but I mean, like this guy's locked in to his, to his role and it's only going to grow. So like you can essentially buy Drake London, like at his probably lower than his floor right now yeah uh so yeah I, I can't go to anybody else there's other guys i like you know robert woods i'm cautiously optimistic we'll see how he, he's recovering lockett i mentioned i think he's going too low at 39 but london i mean you gotta be he's gotta be in everyone's like your fourth or whatever fifth wide receiver like it has mm-hmm. to be drake london at this adp all right that there we go that was uh that was a good pod um matt really really appreciate you uh taking the time out to join us be sure to tell everybody uh what you're up to and where they can find you yeah, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. I feel like this is the meat of like the wide receiver position this year. Like you got to really hack a few guys from here, get those second year receivers on your team out. Love a lot of those players this year. So uh, yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Everybody can find uh, me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And more importantly, you can find me every day on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast and uh, subscribe to Reception Perception. I, I guarantee you, you will like what you find there. ReceptionPerception.com. Love Reception Perception. I second that. Please do subscribe. And uh, of, of course, please subscribe to actionnetwork.com as well. You'll get Sean and I's rankings, projections, fantasy tools, all that good stuff. Uh, you can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. You can find me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com and keep listening to the Fantasy Flex. We got two episodes a week coming at you. Till next time, let's get this money. <laughs> <laughs>